Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, guys. It's Wednesday, January 31st, 528 a.m. Central Time. Grain markets lower this morning after a really strong performance yesterday. Why don't we start with this uh, reversal action? Grain and oil seed futures posted upside reversal patterns on Tuesday. The March 24 corn contract posted a fresh life of contract low prior to closing the day higher. The March 24 soybean contract posted its lowest trade since June 2023 prior to a 24 cent gain for the session. Wheat futures were also able to shrug off a poor start to close sharply higher. Argentina's forecast shifted drier at midday yesterday, while some early soybean yields out of Brazil have been poor. Still, there, ap there appears to be no singular catalyst for the broad-based rally. The good thing about yesterday's rally is that it was broad-based. It wasn't just corn or just wheat. It was across the complex. These were not key reversals from the uh, textbook definition. I believe the textbook definition of a key reversal is that you have to open the low, the prior day's low, but that's just, that's just details. This is a really good-looking deal. Now, that being said, these reversal patterns are not a guarantee of anything. Uh, these these single-day reversal patterns are like a coin flip in terms of their their accuracy in, in predicting future prices or whatever. Um, sometimes you'll see follow-through, and sometimes you won't. Could have been a one-day deal. Uh, maybe not. I was looking for a reason. Why, 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 Joe? Why did the markets do what they did yesterday? Um, first thing I thought was uh, maybe there's some China rumors floating around, and I did not hear or see any China rumors floating around. The uh, other thing that, that may have happened Maybe farmer selling just dried up at these lower levels and, and the offers above the market were just not there. Maybe that resulted in, in some short covering. Maybe there are just some big funds who were not short the markets. So, you know, we've made enough money. We're going to get out. That could be it, too. I think if, if there is one tangible story, it might be the Argentina weather story. You've got a uh, hot and dry forecast here for another five to seven days the way that it looks. You're going to be running five to 10 degrees above normal in these key corn and soybean growing areas. Rainfall over the next five days is, is nowhere to be seen for the most part. You get a little bit of rain back in uh, during that five to 10 day period. And then uh, this forecast, the GFS out through like what would have been the 15th yesterday. I think this was the area of contention. It flipped a little bit drier yesterday, especially in um, kind of areas in the in the central and southern part of this circle I've got on my screen. Those are your highest density uh, soybean production areas. Uh, that may have had something to do with the rally. Maybe it was just a, a technical slash short covering event. But uh, the Argentina thing in terms of weather is, I think, the one that is being uh, watched the closest now. And, and of course, yield reports out of Brazil. But I think there's a lot of of um, concern about Argentina in this forecast here for the next week or so. China's soybean oil and meal prices have faltered due to reduced demand. On Tuesday, soybean oil prices declined for a third straight session on China's Dalian Commodities Exchange. Soy meal prices also decreased due to increased supply from South America. Chinese soybean demand has slowed as stockpiling comes to an end ahead of the spring festival, which marks the end of winter and the beginning of spring. Demand has also slowed due to lower demand for animal feed. According to experts, the outlook for Chinese soy soybean demand in the near and long term will likely remain slow. Also, market sentiment is bearish as Argentina soybean estimates continue to be revised upward. But as you just said, that might come to an end since Argentina's forecast is dry. 
So the experts say that Chinese soybean demand will be sluggish, and the experts are always correct, as as we know. I'm joking. Always. They're not. They're not. Um, but this does hurt uh, crush margins, of course. When your product markets move lower uh, relative to the price of soybeans themselves, your crush margins get worse. And, and this is a chart that I updated again. This is Reuters data. I, I wouldn't take this as gospel, but this is very much indicative of the trend. Um, imported soybeans uh, into China don't make money. And uh, that's a problem. I still think um, I know USDA and I misspoke yesterday. USDA is projecting a record Chinese soybean import program. But I think some people think that uh, we could be on the struggle bus a little bit for a few months moving forward, especially if these crush margins don't recover. So if you guys have not checked out our premium content, you need to do so. Joe, can you tell me about some recent videos you've sent out to our subscribers? Uh, Paul Niefer, the farm CPA, he is an ag celebrity, uh, was on yesterday, talked about the new tax bill, uh, which may be coming soon and what it means for you. Paul always has excellent stuff on the policy uh, tax front. Monday's video, uh, bear markets and short covering events. Guys, in the corn market, even in your bear market years, you most often see the funds cover their net short position at some point in time. In this video, I ran through uh, bear market years as of late, specifically like 2014 through 2019. When did the short covering events occur? What sort of rally did they result in? Uh, what time of year did they occur? This was a pretty popular video. If you guys want to see the premium stuff, uh, go to standardgrain.com this morning. You can sign up. This is a $50 per month subscription. Uh, cancel at any time. No other feed, no other obligation. Nobody will try to sell you anything else. Uh, if you sign up this morning, I'll shoot you over a copy of this morning's email, which includes the six most recent premium videos, along with a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, this is the best way to support what we're doing here, guys. We have no sponsors. The premium subs float the boat. So uh, give that deal a shot. Strong economic data and uncertainty in the Middle East caused oil prices to rise on Tuesday. Yesterday, West Texas Intermediate crude gained 1.4% to close at 77.82 per barrel. The increase was attributed to the International Monetary Fund raising its forecast for the global economy. Uh, the IMF anticipates growth of 3.1% this year due to stimulus measures in China and, robu and robust growth here in the U.S. Oil prices also increased on the uncertainty of how the U.S. will respond to an Iranian drone attack that claimed the lives of three soldiers and injured more than 40 others in Jordan on Sunday. Oil prices have yet to really respond to geopolitical tensions in the Middle East, but conflict between the U.S. and Iran would most likely send prices, prices higher. Yeah, crude has acted better, so it appears as if over the last, uh, call it a year, 15 months, this area, uh, WTI 65 to 70, has been a big support area. Now we're, we're trading closer to like 77-ish uh, spot futures. Um, I know gas prices like went up really quick. We, we jumped 50 cents in the course of like a week in my neighborhood when this uh, little pop occurred here. So I don't know, is this enough to pull the grains higher? Probably not. Um, the Bloomberg Commodity Index, when you put this stuff in a basket and I've got the weights listed here, uh, it's it's been very, very soft. I don't know if that was a new low it posted yesterday, but it was um, or last week, but it was really close. And now we've bounced a little bit, but this thing has been very much lifeless. There's just no love for commodity markets. Uh, among large speculators, with a couple of exceptions, of course. The Federal Reserve is expected to hold its benchmark rate steady at the conclusion of its January meeting today. It's also anticipated that the Fed will signal how soon rate cuts could begin. The majority of economists expect cuts to begin in May or June. However, the markets are predicting a 46% chance of a rate cut in March. If the economy remains strong, inflation could remain high, causing the Fed to 
delay rate cuts. There's also the possibility of rates staying too high for too long and triggering a recession. Uh, so yeah, today there will be an announcement, but it's going to include no rate uh, cut. There's a 98% chance that the, that the rates unchanged today. Uh, traders will be looking at the language and the attitude. Um, what does Powell say and how does he say it? What color ties he wearing? I don't know, but um, they'll pay attention to this. The, the bigger one is, is March though, for sure. U.S. job openings rose to their highest level in three months during December. Last month, according to the JOLTS report, U.S. job openings increased to 9 million, up from an upwardly revised 8.9 million in November. Meanwhile, the number of quits during December fell to 3.4 million, the lowest in almost three years. For every unemployed individual, there are currently 1.4 job openings, the second lowest level since August 2021. That ratio is down substantially from its peak of two to one back in March of 2022. According to another report released on Tuesday, U.S. consumer confidence this month has risen to its highest level since the end of 2021. As far as consumer confidence goes, a lot of that goes along, I think, with the stock market. People look at their 401k and they're like, oh, I'm richer because the stock market's at all-time highs. I think that I think that has a lot to do with it. I think it is as simple as that. When you look at these jolt numbers, I mean, yeah, we've trended lower since they peaked in March of 22, but they're still historically very, very high. I know a lot of people look at this and say, oh, these job numbers are fake. Uh, Jim Urio does some premium stuff with us, and and uh, he'd be the first to say a lot of these are like gig economy jobs. A lot of these are not like real full-time jobs. Um, here's a different chart. This is the labor force participation rate. A lot of people talk about this. This is the, uh, the participation rate is the percentage of the population working age that is either working or actively looking for work. So we hear these uh, stories about, you know, the millions of working age males that are not working and they're not looking for work and they don't show up in the unemployment reports because they're not filing for unemployment. They're just out and they're living in mom's basement or whatever. So do we have some bigger uh, labor issues in this country that are not necessarily reflected in the data? Yeah, we certainly do. Do the markets care about those issues? Uh, I'm not sure. I think it's more of like a bigger picture topic. Uh, what did Cal do yesterday? Cattle futures bounced back yesterday, perhaps with positioning positioning ahead of today's cattle inventory report. Feeder cattle futures closed an average of a buck 98 higher, except for 27 cents higher in the back contract. Live cattle futures closed an average of 80 cents higher. As I just said, USDA's cattle inventory report will be released this afternoon at two o'clock central time. Total cattle, total cattle inventory is estimated at 87.7 million head. That's down 1.8% compared to last year. If that number actually comes to fruition, that will be the smallest total inventory we've had since 1951. Other notable estimates before the report, beef cows and heifers are expected to decline two and a half percent year over year. Replacement heifers are are anticipated to be down 0.25%, and this year's calf crop is expected to decline 2.4%. That's a big report, so expect some pre-report volatility and certainly some post-report volatility uh, tomorrow morning. One thing I did not mention in the job section, there have been reports of layoffs, uh, UPS, PayPal, a few others. This is stuff that like you're, you're not going to see the unemployment rate affected by these headline layoffs. They're not broad-based yet, but you're starting to see um, a little bit of that. Outside markets here on Wednesday, guys, U.S. dollars about flat. Stocks are mixed. The S&P's off, but the Dow's higher. Bonds up a little bit. Crude oil is down 71 cents at 77.11. Have a great day, guys. We'll talk to you on Thursday.